Parkview Church, blessings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's great to be with you continuing our series in John 17. And I hope that you have your copy of God's Word in front of you. Uh, We'll be looking at verses 17 to 19 uh, in detail this morning. And so I want to make sure that what's coming out of my mouth is in accordance with God's Word and not just my own ideas. Now just around the corner is Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving means many different things for many of us. Some it means family. Others it means food. Others it means football. And it also means, I couldn't figure out a fourth F. So board games was the other thing that oftentimes happens, at least for my Thanksgiving. And uh, so board games on the floor. There you go. Fourth F. And, um, but what it also means is that special set-apart meal, the Thanksgiving dinner, and that special set of plates and silverware that you got from your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother from generations ago, that, you know what I'm talking, it's been set apart, and now the special purpose has arrived, and you come forth, and there it is, and all set, and then when the meal's done, you clean it, and it goes back in the cupboard for a year. So, terrible illustration, but that set apart for a special purpose, that is what John 17 is all about. And uh, that's what we've been learning, actually, uh, together so far. And just to remind us, it's kind of the context of the whole of John 17, okay? Verses 1 to 5 is the Son, Jesus, praying to the Heavenly Father that the Father would glorify Him because He had accomplished the mission the Father had sent Him to do. The mission was, it says in the first couple of verses there of John 17, uh, to bring eternal life to those uh, that were the Father's. And so Jesus comes with the fullness of life from the Heavenly Father, just radiating with life. And Jesus comes to this world filled with darkness and death. And Jesus just breathes life into people. And that's what he has come to do. And those who link their lives to Jesus, life begins now of knowing God and his son Jesus Christ, it says in verse 3, and then lasts forever. That's the mission of Jesus. So, So Jesus saying, Father, glorify your son, glorify me. As I accomplish this mission. And then verses uh, 6 all the way to 19, if you notice, Jesus prays two things. Because Jesus is saying this. He's saying, I'm about to go back to my Father and go enjoy my Father's presence, but my disciples will be in the world, right? There's that famous phrase, in the world, but not of the world. Technically, John 17 doesn't say that exactly, but the the general gist of it is there. But Jesus is going to be removed from the world. His disciples will be in the world. And disciples nowadays face Two problems. One is the worldly influence of the culture around them that is living contrary to the purposes and values and desires of Jesus Christ, kind of pulling them in that direction. And at the same time, so not only worldliness, but we might also say warfare, spiritual warfare, that Satan is seeking to destroy our spiritual lives. And so in light of those two dangers, what does Jesus pray? Did you notice he prays two things? He says, first, Father, keep them. Keep them from the evil one. Did you notice that? I think it's in verse 11. I should have made specific notes there. But he says, keep them. I think it's verse 11. And then he says, Father, verse 17, our focus passage today, sanctify them. Keep them from the evil one. Sanctify them. Set them apart from the world so that they can be sent into the world. And so I want us just to real quick just notice Kind of the whole point of this passage is based on the structure of the passage. Sometimes it happens in Scripture as you're reading the Bible. Pay attention to how the author is structuring things. Okay, Notice with me. Okay, Verse 17. 
What does it say? First phrase. Sanctify them in the truth. Verse 19. What does it say? Last phrase. So they might be sanctified in truth. Sanctified in truth. Verse 17. Verse 19. Sanctified in truth. And then verse 18. Read verse 18 with me. As you sent me into the world... So I have sent them into the world. Verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Verse 19, sanctified in the truth. Purpose, they're sent forth in the world. We as disciples of Jesus follow the pattern of Christ. Just as the Father sent him in love into this world to bring life to those in darkness and death, so we move out in this world sent by Jesus in love to bring the life-giving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And notice how we fulfill that mission, right? Verse 18, we're sent just like Jesus into the world. We fulfill it how? Verse 17, verse 19. By being sanctified by the word of truth. And so here's the point then of the passage. Okay, I want to just name the point out loud and then we're going to pray and then we're going to focus more intently on the actual verses, okay? This is it. What John 17, 17 to 19 is communicating to God's people is this. The word of God sanctifies the people of God for the mission of God. The word of God, and we might also say the work work of God. We'll get to that later. But primarily the word of God sanctifies the people of God all for the mission of God. The purpose of God that God the Father is glorified as Jesus gathers in a bunch of sinful men and women cleanses them of sin through his death and resurrection, brings them by faith into his family, and builds them up in maturity, that that mission happens as disciples are sanctified through the word of God, as the people of God are sanctified by the word of God. Okay? There you go. That is what we're learning together. And so in light of that, let's pray. Father, we pray as we do open your word that you speak clearly to us from the Holy Spirit. Convince us that this is your word. These are not ideas we've come up with. These are from your word and therefore have all of the the power and the goodness of your Holy Spirit to infiltrate our lives, to break down barriers, to right now, Lord, draw people that don't know Christ into saving relationship with Jesus Christ and to those who are in Christ to build them up and strengthen them and mature them and to grow them into glorious men and women who radiate Jesus Christ to this world. We just pray for that by your Spirit's power in this time together. Amen. All right, so today is Halloween. Did you know that? It's also, did you know, Reformation Day, okay? Little short segment of church history. I just had to. I had to. There is no way I could resist this moment. Reformation Day, 500 years ago. Did you know the world had a massive transformative moment? Primarily by one man, though really kind of several men, but one man, Martin Luther, basically rediscovered, okay, he he was a monk, okay, part of the Catholic Church, and he was reading the Bible. And as he was reading the very Word of God, he realized and understood that God reconciles sinful men and women through Jesus Christ alone. Only through Christ alone can someone have a right relationship with God. So he's reading the book of Romans and he's discovering this. He's like, wow, this is a game changer because for whatever reasons, that basic, that core message of the gospel had been fumbled and forgotten. And so Luther basically goes around and uh, starts just changing things. And years later, uh, I'm not sure exactly all, all the dates specifically, but 
you know, Luther starts this uh, Protestant Reformation, okay? Got Catholic Church, Protestant Church. And, uh, and people ask, wow, Luther, how did you do it? Tell us kind of the secret of your success. And Martin Luther said this, and this is really crucial to understand what this pastor is saying. He said, I did nothing. The Word of God did everything. And that's what John 17 is trying to convince us. That it is the Word of God that sets apart and sanctifies and transforms the people of God so they can fulfill the mission of God of proclaiming Jesus to the world. So let's look in more detail to verse 17. Look with me at verse 17. Let's understand what does the word sanctify mean? Okay? Now normally many of us think, and this is rightly so, because this is taught in different passages of Scripture, sanctification means me, over time, becoming more like Jesus okay, in my character. Okay? Jesus is gentle and just and holy and good, and I become more gentle, just, holy, and good. That is true. That is taught in different passages. That's not the primary emphasis of this passage, what Jesus means in verse 17. Because if you look briefly at verse 19, look down with me at verse 19, Jesus says, I consecrate myself. Now, other versions will actually just say, Jesus says, I sanctify myself. It's the same word that's used in 17. Verse 17 is used here in verse 19. So what is Jesus saying here? Is Jesus saying, I am unholy, and over time, Father, I will become more holy? Well, certainly, absolutely not. Because we believe what the Bible teaches from front to back, that Jesus Christ is the perfect, sinless Son of God. So what does he mean that he needs to consecrate himself or sanctify himself? Well, it means that he is being set apart. In the Old Testament, uh, you'll notice uh, as you read through different parts of it that God has set apart certain persons like the priest or the king or the prophet and then certain things like even in the temple that there's kind of sanctified or holy like tools in the temple. And Jesus is carrying this theme and he's saying, me as a perfect son of God, I'm devoting myself. I'm, what God is doing there, he's separating these people for a particular purpose, for a specific purpose. Think of the Thanksgiving meal, right? That special set of silverware and plates have been set aside for a particular purpose. Jesus is saying, I sanctify myself. I have been set apart. So what John is trying to communicate here in verse 17 is that we as disciples of Jesus have been set apart for the mission of what God calls us to in this world as his witnesses. And this setting apart means that we are to live a distinctly different type of life that is different from the culture around us. And one example of this is right now, uh, I, there's been one Christian kind of a leading thinker. He wrote a book called uh, Christians in the Age of Outrage. And he's writing about how often today we don't know how to talk to each other other than just screaming at each other in anger. I mean, we see it on Twitter and social media most of the time. I'm not saying that you and your coworker just scream at each other as you try to figure it's a product, project, but you get what I'm saying, okay? We now live in a culture that if I find myself disagreeing with someone, whether in a political conviction or religious belief or whatever, we no longer know how to have civil discussion in which we can disagree with each other and yet still care and have kindness and show respect to each other. Instead, who wins the battle is the one whose voice is loudest and who is expressing most anger. That's how it works nowadays. And so in light of that, an example would be Jesus setting us apart to, yes, not fumble our convictions on the truth of, of Jesus, but to do so, as it says in 1 Peter, with gentleness and respect. That is the call of Christians in our culture. So Jesus is saying, 
Father, set us apart. Set the people, set your people apart to have a distinct life, a distinct witness in the culture around us. I think then, therefore, it is logical to connect the two types of sanctification, right? The I'm becoming more like Jesus in my character sanctification and the I've been set apart for God's purpose sanctification. There's two types of sanctification and it seems to me that both make sense because if we have been set apart by a holy God for his purposes, right? Verse 18, sanctified verse 17, verse 18, sent into the world. Well, if we're being sent into the world as his representatives, then you better believe it that what's expected of us is to live lives of holiness, to reflect the character of Jesus in our interaction with the world, those around us. Okay, I remember when I was in high school, I was chosen to represent my high school. There was like this gathering in Arizona, from what I understand. It was all 50 states did this like, it was sophomore year, it was my sophomore year. It's sophomore, uh, sophomores in high school gathered together in these different leadership uh, seminars for three-day leadership seminar in different states uh, around the U.S. And I was chosen as my delegate for my school as one of like, it must have been almost 500 delegates from around Arizona high schools, okay? So I was one of about 500. And uh, I remember early on when you get your lanyard, right, and you put it on, you go to conferences, you know how it is, and then there's your name, and then like kind of the most, uh, second most important fact is kind of where you're from or whatever. And so it named high schools, okay? And I saw very quickly that on my lanyard it said, wait, you're in, Valley Christian High School. Now, I noticed everyone else on their lanyards, it just said, like, Basha High School. It's a high school in Phoenix. Phoenix High School, Arizona High School, whatever high school. No one else had Christian on their name tag. And so, as I remember it, I just, I remember kind of having this moment of, like, I've got to make sure that as I talk with these new friends that I'm making, uh, that we're hanging out late at night, whatever we're doing, that I have to remember, I'm not just representing my high school, I'm also rep- representing Jesus. And it was, a, it was a wonderful experience for me, actually, because it showed me this joyful responsibility that I have. It was kind of with this microcosm of how the Lord was calling me to live my life as a Christian. That he called me out, and amidst a world that's living contrary to Christ, I am called to be a representative of Jesus. Now, there's fun things and there's great things that we could enjoy together, but I do remember there's certain conversations and things talked about that I was like, I can't talk about that because I had to have a distinct witness for Christ. Okay, This is an argument throughout the New Testament, 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2 says it like this, you are God's beloved people, a holy nation called by God to proclaim his excellencies to the world. And then Peter says this, therefore, because you've been sent out into the world, abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles, among the, those who don't believe in Christ, honorable so they might see your lives and give glory to God in heaven. Do you see the pattern there? We've been sent out, just like it says in verse 18, and yet we are to be set apart, sanctified, distinct. So here's a question. Here's how this applies to us right here, right now. The question I want you to grapple with is this, Parkview. What area in your life do you, right now, needs, need God's help to become more holy? What is hindering you right now from a, a devoted witness to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord in your life? What is that area? 
as Christians, as Will so wonderfully reminded us, we have safety to be honest and confess areas that don't align with God's truth and his word. What is that area for you? Maybe it's an attitude of your heart, the way that you speak at work, the way that you carry yourself around at home with family. What is it where you're consistently tempted to embrace the values of the culture around you instead of living in line with the truth of God's word? What is that area? My assumption is the Holy Spirit right now is bringing to mind that thing And that's the thing that I want you to understand, that Jesus wants to do a good work in that area today and tomorrow and the next day. Don't give up. What happens in the Christian life is we have these areas that we realize, okay, this does not conform to the character of Jesus. But then we become so discouraged of their presence over and over again, week by week, month by month, year by year, that we sort of just kind of think, that's just sort of who I am. Almost like it's part of my personality profile. But sin is not part of your personality profile because you're in Jesus Christ and you've been transformed by the gospel. So don't give up hope that the Lord wants to work in you his sanctification, his holiness, setting you apart for witness. What is that area in your life? We can together get honest and seek the Lord's help in overcoming that. I also want to notice, okay, not only what sanctify means, but notice that what sanctifies us. How exactly are we sanctified? It's, it's the word of God, isn't it? It says, verse 17, sanctify them in truth, set them apart in truth. Your word is truth. So through the word of the Father, disciples of Jesus are sanctified. Now elsewhere in the New Testament, this same phrase, this word of truth, is directly linked to the gospel. Colossians 1 says it like this. You have heard before in the word of truth the gospel since the day you heard it and understand the grace of God in truth. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is what sets us apart for Christ's purposes in the world. It's really fascinating, isn't it? That in verse 18, we are sent into the world by Jesus with the gospel. And in verse 17, we are set apart from the world by the gospel. So set apart, verse 17, from the world by the gospel for a distinctive way of living to witness to Jesus so that we're sent into the world with the gospel. The gospel does a double whammy. It both removes, in a sense, kind of uh, cloisters us under the Father's grace in a unique way and at the very same time sends us back into the world as the witnesses of Jesus. So the word of God sanctifies the people of God to live out the mission of God, okay? Now, here's why this matters to us right now. In our name, Parkview Evangelical Free Church, evangelical, what evangelical means is, is of the gospel. We are, as members of this church, people of the gospel. And here's why this matters. Because historically, evangelical has been identified in the roots of the Reformation, like I said before, but it's always been connected to the Word of God, to the people of God who are devoted to understanding and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus found in the Word of God. And this is so important for us because as disciples, this must be our number one, number one, numero uno, priority and passion as Christians. 
And the world around us, when they look at us in this church with the name evangelical, a.k.a. gospel people, the first thing they should notice about us is our commitment to the good news of Jesus. Not our political agenda, not what we think about culture, not what even we're against or our morality, although those things are important, hear me, and have their place in different times. But the church of Jesus Christ is first and foremost, if we have the name Jesus or evangelical on our name, we are committed to the gospel of Christ. And so what the church needs to rediscover today and what Martin Luther, again, celebrating Reformation Day, woohoo, 500 years ago, and how the church really has always had to rediscover generation after generation is that the church is its healthiest and the church is its most faithful to the mission of God in direct connection to its devotion to the Word of God, to the gospel of Jesus Christ found in the Word of God. So if we as a church are going to continue to move forward, Growing in health, renewed by Christ, we need to continue to feed and feed and feed and gobble up and eat the Word of God. It must become and continue to become the sole focus of our church. Okay, now there's three ways I want to think about this personally, small group, and Sunday mornings. Okay, personally, I remember Thomas Hoke once telling me, wonderful Pastor Thomas Hoke, you guys know that guy. What an amazing man of Christ. Love that guy. I was sitting in his office, and he said, you know, Wade, you ever wonder why we should read our Bibles every day? And I said, hey, Thomas, tell me. And he said, well, most people think, and don't you think this is true? Most people think, I need to read my Bible, because as I read the Bible, boop, 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 it fills me up for the day, and ah, I feel it's, it's kind of like a spiritual version of coffee. And I drink my coffee in the morning, and my Bible morning, and I'm sent out on the day, and I just feel better about my life with God. Now, cool. That's great. Hey, Good. Wonderful. That's a great way to think about reading the Bible. But as we're reading the Bible, Thomas reminded me, we forget oftentimes that we're not just isolated individuals, Christians. We are members of a church named Parkview Church. And we don't know that that morning when we spend uh, 17 minutes reading through Psalm 13, Psalm of Lament, which is about I'm suffering, I'm suffering, I'm suffering, and yet, Lord, you are faithful and good, and your steadfast love endures forever, so I'll praise you, okay? 21 minutes, Psalm 13 at, let's see, uh, 7.43 a.m. in the morning. You don't know, as you, faithful Christian brother or sister, are opening God's word, you're not, you don't know. 4 p.m. the next, or the same day, you get a phone call from a friend, and they are just in the pits, suffering, feeling so discouraged, and they feel like they're just, the life just the bottom just opened up and they feel like they've got nothing left. The reason you read your Bible in the morning was not just for your own spiritual enrichment, as wonderful as that is, it's also so that you can be a faithful brother or sister in Christ to help this brother or sister on your iPhone at 4 p.m., driving on your way back from home or 5 p.m., whatever it is, and you have that seven minutes with them and you can say, hey, I'm so sorry, you know what? I was reading about God's faithful love even when life is at its worst. So can I pray for you? And you pray for them and you hang up and the Lord used you supernaturally in that moment for seven minutes based on your personal Bible time in the morning to encourage another brother and sister in Christ. Sanctify them in the truth of your word. 
God's mission advances as we commit to God's word. Not only personally, we could say mid-level, Nate Brooks, I don't think is here, but he, East Campus guy, and he's going to meet on, uh, is he here? Okay, no. Uh, he's going to start meeting with guys on Wednesday morning at Panera, and he's sending our group text, hey guys, let's get together and read the Bible. That's the kind of stuff I love. Steve Mobley, a man of honor, uh, there in the back, he's gathering guys on a regular basis to hang out, enjoy friendship together in Christ, encourage each other. I love you, brother, that you do that kind of stuff. Amazing. And uh, that kind of stuff is happening all the time, okay? We could probably list another 19 things that we're doing here, okay? Here's the deal. We have to find ways in whatever our schedules, because we are so busy. I get it, right? We're so busy. We've got to figure out a way somehow amidst all of the busyness and all of the pressures and all of the difficulties and all the discouragements that pound on us every day as Christians, we have to figure out a way as a church to continue to get our eyeballs and our hearts onto the Word of God because God continues His mission through His people by His Word. And as we grow in health, we must continue to be sanctified in the truth. Okay, That's the First thing and primary thing we have to see. We've got to be a people, the word of God, sanctifying the people of God for the mission of God. Now here's the second thing I want us to notice. is verse 19. Verse 19, Jesus says something. Didn't you find this odd when you first heard this? For their sake, I sanctify myself. I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. Jesus is saying he set apart so that we could be Made holy. What exactly is going on here? Well, it's this. Like we said before, sanctification, remember, devotion to God's purpose, set apart for God's purposes. And what is God's purpose that we've seen in John 17? It is our salvation that Jesus would come and give us eternal life. So, what Jesus is saying here is that He has set Himself apart, devoted Himself entirely. Notice what He says, right? For their sake, for our sake. He has set himself apart, committing all of himself for our salvation. He, Jesus, is not a half-hearted Savior, limping about, making, barely making it through, sometimes helping us, indifferent to our struggle with sin. That's not Jesus. Jesus has set himself apart for your sake, along with the Father, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, Jesus right now is determined, devoted, passionately committed to your sanctification, to your holiness. I know that some of us right now feel so defeated by that particular sin that we keep struggling with week after week after month after year, and it keeps hounding us. And we feel so defeated. What we have to realize as Christian believers in that moment is that your devotion, because don't you find, and you're like, oh, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I want to be rid of this. I want to grow in holiness. I want to be more like Jesus. Please, please, please help me. You're committed, I hope, I pray, as a believer in Christ, to your own sanctification. But what's more important than your own commitment is the commitment of Jesus Christ to you for your holiness, for your personal growth. In sanctification, Jesus has set himself apart for you, for your sake. I mean, just think about the life of Jesus Christ. Think of his amazing incarnation. 
leaving the glory of heaven for the misery of suffering in this world for our sake. Look at Jesus in his perfect life, obeying the Father, healing, teaching the Father's love, giving, 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 giving himself to sinner after sinner after sinner, doing it with a full heart of joy. Why? For your sake, look at Jesus praying in the garden, resisting the temptation of Satan to choose any other path to glory other than a bloody crucifixion. And yet he says, Father, I submit my will to yours be done, not mine. Why? For your sake. Think of Jesus dying on the cross, experiencing the wrath of God for your sake. Think of Jesus rising from death, filled with God's power for weak people like you and me. Jesus sanctified himself for us, for you and for me. This is the devotion and determination of Jesus for your holiness, for you to be set apart. Jesus is more committed Parkview Church, he's more committed for you to conquering and getting over that sin than you are. Because if we're honest, how many of us simultaneously want to grow in holiness and still sort of kind of enjoy that sin that we keep falling into? Yet Jesus has a full-on commitment to your personal holiness. He has set himself apart for your sake. Here's what I'm trying to say. Think about my relationship with my son, Haddon. He's two years old. And I love Haddon. He's amazing. He is wonderful. He is so great. And Haddon really struggles at times, okay? Really struggles, okay? He struggles to obey the first time I tell him to do something, to eat the right food. He just wants to be a chocolate monster. That's all he wants. He wants to get large chocolate bars and shove them down his throat. He wants to uh, listen uh, when I say, don't run across the street. He does the opposite. He goes across the street when I'm not there with him. He just struggles. And what matters most in Haddon's life, if he's going to be a healthy, happy young man, as his two-year-old, weak, stumbling self, who I love, what matters most is not his commitment to being a good son or trying his best. What matters most is my commitment to him as a father to love him and Claire as a mother to give and to give and to give and to give to raise him up. What matters most in your Christian life is not your Christian life. If I could say it this way, what matters most is the Christian life that Jesus lived. The Christian life, the perfect life of obedience and love to the Heavenly Father that you could never do because of your sin. He did that for you and his death on the cross and his resurrection. And guess what? You are guaranteed success in your Christian life of growth and growth and growth. Do you know why? Because, because sin could not hold back Jesus. Satan could not hold back Jesus. And death could not hold back Jesus. Jesus conquered your three greatest enemies. Sin, hell, Satan, you know why? So that you could be holy. So that you could be set apart for his purposes. I know some of us feel so defeated right now. In John 17, verses 17 to 19, is in the Bible to encourage you, Christian believer. And if you're someone here who has not yet received Jesus, it's here to encourage you to become a Christian. Because apart from the life that is given to you in Jesus Christ, you are in death and under God's judgment. But the mercy of the gospel of Jesus Christ is offered to you. 
So this morning, what I want us to walk away with is this. Jesus, in his gift of his word to sanctify us, in his gift of his work, of his life set apart to, for your sake, these gifts that he's given to you, that is the fundamental, most crucial, and most important thing in you becoming a holy person, in you becoming more like him. It is his commitment and his devotion, not yours. Now, yes, our devotion matters. And yes, we must commit ourselves to Christ. But underneath it all, underneath all of our failures and our striving and trying to be better, wanting to grow in Christ and keep moving forward, as we should, that is good, healthy desire, Underneath it all is the commitment of Jesus Christ that you cannot ultimately fail. You cannot ultimately implode your life with sin because Jesus' life was imploded by sin on a cross 2,000 years ago and he was raised from death. He sanctifies you by his word. He sanctifies you through his work and therefore we are sent out in mission. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would make us a people who are set apart for your purposes. But to remember Jesus Christ says that the word of Christ sanctifies us, that he was set apart for our sanctification, Lord, that we be sanctified in truth, Lord, so that we're sent out into this world. And so, Lord, remind us again of all that we have in Jesus Christ, I pray.